It's the 11th of October 2022. So today, this morning, it's a day that's known in Thailand as uh, a day for offering food uh, to the monks who have come down from heaven. So there was one rains that the Buddha spent uh, at Jetavana Monastery um, outside of Savati. And there were some people who had um, ordained in a different dispensation, different religion to the Buddha Sasana. And um, they were, or some were displaying various uh, powers. Uh, but the Buddha, he forbade his own disciples uh, from showing psychic powers. And so there was kind of a challenge that was laid down uh, to display these psychic powers. And the Buddha did that himself. Uh, one of the miracles of psychic powers. And uh, he said that he was going to perform these under a mango tree. So the, some of the members of other dispensations, uh, different traditions, um, they destroyed all of the mango trees that were around the area so that he wouldn't be able to display these psychic powers. Uh, but there was one layperson who offered a mango to King Pasenadi. And then through the faith that he had in the Buddha Sasana, he took that mango to offer to the Buddha. And the Buddha, in turn, um, told one of his disciples to plant that um, outside of Jetavana and miraculously grew very quickly uh, that seed turned into a mango tree um, with leaves and with shade. And so then when it became time for him to display these psychic powers, then he did so. He walked in mid-air and shot uh, jets of water out as there was both cool and hot water. So many amazing things that he displayed. He was able to uh, multiply his bodies. There were many, many of his bodies. And the faith that people had grew. But then also some people said, well, didn't you um, say that no one should do this, should display psychic powers. And the Buddha replied that he laid that rule down for his disciples, but that he himself um, established this dispensation, so it's okay for him to display these powers. So there's also one rains retreat that the Buddha spent in Tawatingza, heaven realm. Uh, the heaven of the 33. And he taught the devas there, including his mother. Uh, his mother was a deva residing in uh, Dusita, heaven realm. And she went down to uh, Tawatingza in order to listen to 
the Dhamma, and she attained to Sotapanna. And there were many, many beings who attained to the paths and the fruits. So while he was there, the Buddha taught about Abhidhamma, this high Dhamma, the subtle Dhamma. And then after the rains, one day after the rains finished, uh, he descended from the heaven realm. Uh, from this realm of uh, Tawatingsa. And where he came down was um, around Sankasa city, uh, which now is kind of an abandoned city. Uh, it's very kind of um, out in uh, this kind of abandoned and dangerous area. It's a difficult place to get to. So these miracles, uh, there are three of them. There's the miracle of psychic powers. There's the miracle of knowing other people's minds. But the miracle that the Buddha praised was that of teaching, of teaching the Dhamma. So this is a miracle that can allow people, lead people to abandoning greed, hatred and delusion. And so it's one that's very important. So people may gain faith through displays of psychic powers, but that's not able to destroy their defilements. And maybe through delusion they attach to that, conceit arises. And they can think that, well, my teacher has better psychic powers than your teacher. My teacher is better than yours. And they can use this uh, to compete with other people. But they themselves, they don't have anything. But they take their teacher in order to try to win out over other people. So at Ajahn Chah's monastery, there was one of Grubhajan, one awakened teacher who went to the monastery. Uh, But the monks there, some of them were thinking, well, this monk, he's not as good as my teacher. He's not, he can't compete with Ajahn Chah. And this monk, he could know what those other monks were thinking about him. So he left the monastery and he returned to his own monastery. And so they were taking their own teacher to try to win out over other people. But that's something that's quite dangerous. So we need to be careful around that. So what we should do is we should take the Dhamma instead, this Dhamma that the Buddha taught, and use that to contemplate. It's like he taught about our attaching to these five khandhas. And out of those five khandhas, uh, the body, this form, is something that's easy to see, easy to contemplate. But when we say the word easy, it also requires energy as well to do that. And if we don't have wisdom, then we can't see it. So like trying to contemplate the body as a suba, something unattractive, that if we don't have wisdom, then we won't see that. 
we say that the body is inconstant, it's stressful, it's not self. But the way that we perceive it is being a source of great happiness, something that is constant, and it's always me. But this is delusion. As for the mental factors of the khandhas, uh, these are more subtle. So those of feeling and perception, uh, these mental formations in sense consciousness. So with sense consciousness, vijnana, where does that arise? When the eye sees a form, uh, then there's jaku, vijnana, uh, this consciousness of the eye. And then when we hear a sound, uh, there's sota, vijnana, this consciousness of the ear. Then there's gana, vijnana, consciousness of the nose, uh, chiuha, vijnana, consciousness over the tongue, and gaya, vijnana, consciousness of the body. And then mano, vijnana, this mental consciousness. And all of these are anicca, dukkha, and anatta. They're inconstant, they're suffering, they're not self. So may we all contemplate this, and contemplate this vijnana that appears when the eye sees a form, or when the ear hears a sound, uh, there's a taste that contacts the tongue, smell that contacts the nose, um, there's touch that contacts the body, or an object that arises within the mind. So we should contemplate um, all of this. And so like if we see a form, then what that is, is its light and its shape. But the mind then proliferates upon that. So we should know when we're seeing that there's this vijnana there, the sense consciousness there, and this is not me. But it's something that happens very quickly. The mind very quickly clings to that as being me. And taking things as a self that has its results as well. So when we see something, we um, like that, and then there's a happiness that arises, or we dislike that, and then we feel sad. And so the same with smell, the same with hearing sounds. And this happens as well. So therefore we need to contemplate and perhaps we may be um, sitting very still. And the mind, it's not proliferating much. But then when it starts to proliferate, we can tell ourselves that these things it's proliferating about, they're not real. So say we get, um, or we see a form, for instance. And we can ask ourselves, well, is that form real? We see a person, is that person actually there? Are these material things really there? So we teach our minds to bring them to emptiness. So we try to um, think about things in a way that brings the mind to emptiness. And so we see that these thoughts are empty. These things we take as people also empty. So we follow up and we contemplate them. And if the mind is well established in peace, um, then we can see that this is really the case, and knowledge arises. 
we can see how the sense consciousness is anicca, dukkha, anatta, and this can appear very clearly for us. So may we practice in this way. And if we don't see things this way, then what's that due to? It's because this refined wisdom has yet to arise. So then we should come back and contemplate the body because this is something that's easy. But when we say it's easy, it's actually quite difficult because we've been deluded about these forms for such a long time already. So when we get angry, we may try to destroy other people's bodies. When we love someone, we love as their body. But these bodies don't make any claims to be anything. The, the mind gets harmed, however, due to the attachments that we have towards the body, taking them as being me and mine. So the Buddha said that we should know that we're able to destroy delusion due to wisdom, that this is what gives us knowledge into not-self. You can see that things, they're not a being, an individual, a me or a you. So if people have wisdom, they're able to see things in this way. But in the beginning, there's a self that's there. So we should take this self to create goodness, to create merit, to being generous and giving, to looking after the precepts and carry on doing things in this way. So like some people who are virtuous, well, they may ask themselves, well, if I get a lot of money, then what would I do with that? And if they have wisdom, then they can see that using that money in worldly ways, it's not going to give rise to much benefit. So it'd be better to use it to cultivate the heart, to abandon this selfishness. And they think this way because they can see that conditioned forms, these conditioned things, they're inconstant. So we should try to practice, train ourselves in this way, so that we can know the Dhamma, so that we can see the Dhamma. So just like this level of sotapanna, some people wonder, what's that like, and how do I get there? And the awakened teachers, what they say is that you start off by being generous. And they ask them that, are you generous yet? Well, if you are, then move on to sila, be virtuous. And you have virtue well established yet? Well, if so, then develop samadhi. Bring the mind to peace first. These are the kind of answers that they give. And if the mind is already peaceful, then contemplate into physical things, mental things, seeing them as being inconstant and changing. Have mindfulness well established here, following up on these things, knowing them. And this is the path to seeing the Dhamma. So if the mind is peaceful, then we can start to destroy these defilements. And the practice becomes enjoyable at this point. But in the beginning, we need to bring up a lot of forbearance, bring up this effort, energy, persistence, and uh, forbear. And when we do that, and the mind gains this energy, 
in the energy of samadhi is enough, then we'll be able to see the Dhamma. And perhaps we can listen to the Dhamma and the mind gathers together. And if the samadhi is strong, then you can attain to the Dhamma just at that one time. But if samadhi is lacking, then we need to build up our barami first. Build up these powers, these powers of faith. And there are five of them. So there's the power of faith, the power of effort, right? And so sometimes people really develop this effort. And they do that through sitting meditation all night, be walking around the jetty or the stupa 108 times. It takes two hours to do that, and some people do that for two rounds, so for four hours. And that's due to the energy, to the well-established faith that they have. But when we do that, we should do so with mindfulness as well. And when that's well-established, then as we walk, then there's a feeling of ease and buoyancy within the body. And this shows that samadhi has arisen. And then as we walk, we can develop wisdom as well. And perhaps this can arise for us. And we can see that it's not really me that's walking, it's just a form. And the mind can become bright, seeing how physical and mental things, they're not me. You contemplate that this chedi, the stupa, it's not really there. It's just a collection of concrete and steel and sand and water. And really it's empty. And the mind too can become empty here, can reach this level of Buddha, of inner awakening. So we should get to know these conventions and see the emptiness there within them. But these days people are very deluded by conventions and so suffering arises. And even if they feel happiness, there's suffering that's waiting for them. And so we should set our hearts um, on this practice. And offering this practice as our homage. Because all of the requisites, they're complete already, we have them. And so we shouldn't be heedless. And our duty is to do walking meditation, sitting meditation, to engage in this practice. This is something that the lay people need to do as well, to try to find the time and the opportunity to do that. And if your time is not much, then you shouldn't retreat from the practice. Rather just carry on so that wisdom can arise, so that samadhi can become well established. Because it's important for us to seek out time for ourselves so that we can look after these minds and get to know them, so that we can make our mindfulness and samadhi well established. And when we do that, then the results will appear for us. And we'll gain this panya, this wisdom, or a thorough knowing into conditioned phenomena, how all things are empty, and we can see the Dhamma, And if the mind is ready, we can attain to the Dhamma, able to let go. So may you set your hearts on this.